0: So our epistle this morning is out of 1 Peter chapter 3. Peter writes, For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison who in former times did not obey when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. There's a lot of meat in that passage. And it's easy if we're not careful to misunderstand what Peter is saying. So I think we need to break it down just a little bit. This is the first Sunday of Lent, and once again, we begin this journey of self-examination, introspection, discernment. It's a time, again, to take stock of our relationship with Christ, our relationships with one another, and yes, even our relationship with with ourselves. And we do this each year because the journey that took Christ to the cross was a journey that Jesus took for you and for me. And so we have this responsibility to assess from time to time whether or not we're living a life, whether we're traveling a road, whether we're making a personal journey that is worthy of his sacrifice, that is moving us along the road in his footsteps, that's ultimately going to arrive us where he is, which is in the presence of God, which is in good standing with the Father. And so we examine ourselves, we put our faith walk into the context of Christ's journey to the cross. Our epistle this morning in 1 Peter talks about his journey and what it means for us. He says, it's better to suffer for doing good, if that's what God wants, than to be punished for doing bad. Because that's what Jesus did definitively when he went to the cross. He suffered because of others' sins, not his own he was the righteous one sacrificing for the unrighteous ones, right? All of us. And he went through all of that and was put to death and then was made alive again, all for the purpose of bringing us into the presence of God. And so if we look at Jesus' journey, From the time that he was baptized by John the Baptist until he was taken into custody and he was beaten and he was humiliated and he was crucified. All he did was a ministry of doing the father's will, healing the sick, casting out demons and pointing out the error in thinking of the priests and the Pharisees and the people of the day. And they killed him for it. They sent him to the cross and they thought they'd stop this radical teaching from going any further. But what they didn't understand was that he chose to go to the cross. He chose to go to the cross to fulfill the will of the father to take our sin upon himself and exchange it for his perfect righteousness And he did that so that we could be presented to the Father once and for all as spotless, as blameless, as righteous, as pure. And so Peter talks about Jesus sending the Holy Spirit back in the days of Noah to offer the same chance of repentance and salvation to the people of that time This is what he says about it. He says he went and proclaimed God's salvation to earlier generations who ended up in the prison of judgment because they wouldn't listen. Even though God waited patiently all the days that Noah built his ship, only a few were saved then, eight people to be exact, were saved from the water by the water. And so Peter then compares the work of Christ in the world today to the work of salvation that was taking place in Noah's time. And we have to ask ourselves the question. Because they went to the prison of judgment because they wouldn't listen, we have to ask ourselves this all important question as we enter this Lenten season Are we listening? Are you listening? See, the people in Noah's time didn't listen and they perished in the flood. Right? History. If we don't listen, the Bible says it will be as in the days of Noah. But see, we have an opportunity this Lenten season and every Lenten season to change the course of our journey. Reminds me of a song lyric. There are two paths you can go by, but in the long run, there's still time to change the road you're on. That's not the Bible. That's a line from Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven, but it just happens to be true in this particular instance if we take it out of context. You can do some soul searching. You can make an adjustment to your course. If you're willing to do the work and make the change. Saved from the water by the water, Peter says. Saved from the waters of destruction by the water. And Peter says the waters of baptism do that for you. Not by washing away dirt from your flesh, but by presenting you through Jesus' resurrection before God with a clear conscience. Jesus has the last word on everything and everyone from angels to armies. He's standing right alongside God and what he says goes. So we have to be careful here in this passage of Scripture. See, Peter is not saying that baptism is in and of itself a means of salvation. It's, it's easy if we take that one line out of context To make that assumption. But that's just not the case. The waters of baptism don't cleanse the flesh. That means that they don't wash clean the part of you that's bound by sin. But rather the waters of baptism are a pledge to God. Which invokes the prevenient grace of God. That's the grace that comes before salvation. Where God takes care of you because he loves you and for no other reason? Baptism is a pledge to God that invokes the provenient grace of God to move in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit to help guide and direct you into a right relationship with God, which is only made possible by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. His body, which was given for you, his blood, which was poured out for you so that you might be saved by him, the only one who can save. Baptism does not save you in and of itself. It is rather a change of your direction, a change of the road you're on. And it can either be done... When you are a baby and have no awareness by your parents who then take the responsibility of guiding you on a path until you're old enough to take on that journey for yourself. Or if you're older and you choose to be baptized, then you can make that choice for yourself. But either way, hear me now, it is valid. Allie, you're going to forgive me if I talk about you for a minute, aren't you? Good. I was going to do it anyway. I just have to beg for forgiveness (laughs) later. See, uh, in a couple of Sundays from now, on March 4th, we will celebrate Allie's baptism. Now, she was baptized on July 6, 2003, when she was just a wee little thing. But Allie has reached a point in her life where she's made a choice to align her journey with that of Jesus. So she asked recently to begin this new phase of her journey by being baptized. But because baptism is a sacrament, that means it's a means of grace that's instituted by God, there's never a need ever to be rebaptized. Even when we don't remember our baptism, God does. And in baptism, we are marked, we are sealed as Christ's own forever. So instead of rebaptizing Allie on March 4th, we are going to celebrate her baptism by remembering what God has already done in her. And we'll send her into her journey, this new phase of her life, a journey to which she's been called by God. We'll send her forth with our love and support and the blessing of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is a cool thing, folks. Because Ali's already been baptized in the spirit of truth. In fact, if any of you have been baptized, whether it was as an infant or as an adult, you have been baptized. And then it's just a question of making a personal choice to follow Jesus or not. And so there's no need to be rebaptized. but there is a responsibility to step out on that journey and accept the true essence of your baptism. Now on March 4th, we're going to celebrate that. Because it's worthy of celebration. Joanna says she's going to bring a light lunch. We're Methodist people. Okay. Any milestone worth celebrating is worth eating lunch over, by golly. Anyway, you won't want to miss this. This is an important milestone in Allie's life and in the life of this congregation. And I hope we'll take this, we'll embrace this opportunity to remember our own baptisms and celebrate this along with Allie and her family. And what a great way to begin this Lenten journey this season. I hope we can take this Lenten season and all rededicate ourselves to aligning our faith journey with that of Jesus Christ. Sacrificing ourselves, dying to self, and then taking part in his resurrection. Because that is the only thing that gives us life. Not just life, but life abundant and life everlasting. It's a remarkable thing. Hats off to you as parents. Hats off to you, Allie, for making a choice. And hats off to the rest of us for joining in on this opportunity to celebrate our own baptisms, our own commitments, our own pledges to God the Father That we want to walk on a path that leads us to Him. We can do that together as a church family. That's what we should do as a church. In fact, I'd like to change the marquee to say, celebrate your baptism. And then put the date March 4th. Come join us. I don't know how many people will read it. And come in off the streets. But we should let the community know. (coughs) We may have to cut the sandwiches. In small sections. I don't know. (laughs) I want the community to know. That we're celebrating baptism. Because it's important. That we pledge our lives. To this journey. And we have to do it. Not just in the Lenten season, but I think it's especially poignant in the Lenten season to refocus our paths on the one that Jesus took for us. We can do that together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.